Hey guys, welcome back to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. This is Stephanie, your host. And on this podcast, we talk about generational change and different conversations to spark that. And we talk about five main topics, faith, finances, health, marriage, and mindset. So I'm really excited about our topic today. We are doing another Ask Stephanie Anything about finances, but it's going to be a real estate conversation. Uh, Earlier on this week, I posted a picture on my Instagram stories about me kind of doing my due diligence and looking through numbers and stuff of a five unit that my husband and I are thinking about purchasing. And a lot of you guys were intrigued about that. And that excited me (laughs) because I love to talk real estate. It's funny, like three years ago, I literally would never have even, I mean, I know what real estate is obviously, but as far as investing and, um, you know, all that kind of stuff, it was just completely, completely foreign to me. And now it's one of my favorite things to talk about. So If you don't know, I'll do a really quick update. I am pregnant with our fifth baby, and we have four little boys, two, four, five, and eight, and I am sitting on a big old birthing ball right now because I've been cramping a ton lately, so I'm wondering if this babe is going to (laughs) last full term like the other ones. I delivered all of mine at 39 weeks, so hoping this one stays in a little bit longer because I got a lot of content for you guys. So let's go ahead and jump in because I'm really excited about this episode. I'm excited about the questions you guys had. I know some of you are like, I'm nowhere near close to that, but that is something that you're interested in. If you don't know our financial story, oh gosh, I should know this episode by heart. I would go back, um, or even if you go up to my website, it's simsarrows.com and you can just look, there's a podcast directory there. And I have our financial journey as an episode. So you can kind of hear our story of being crazy in debt, having like a negative net worth to now about five years later, um, being debt free and having almost three quarters of a million in net worth. And that net worth honestly had that huge swing in a really short amount of time because of number one, paying off all of our consumer debt. Uh, we downsize, we have kind of a pretty dramatic story there, but, um, outside of that real estate, you guys, That is what we have invested in, and that is where we really saw our net worth jump. So I really want to talk through this with you guys, and as I'm talking, this is going to be a very casual episode. I have a little bit of an outline planned, but that's it, just to keep me on track, because y'all know I'm long-winded. But um, I want you to keep in mind as I'm talking, if you are feeling like, oh my gosh, this is so overwhelming, which I'm not going to overwhelm you with like a bunch of numbers, but you know, if you feel overwhelmed... I want to remind you that three years ago, we had zero rental properties. We have four right now, almost a fifth. Uh, We had zero rental properties, and I would not have known the first thing if somebody would have been like, hey, are you even interested in real estate? I would have said no, Um, because not only were we not in a place to invest in real estate and whatever else, I didn't have the mental or emotional capacity to even like take on (laughs) this um, because we were so, I guess two years ago, we were, we were getting out of, or sorry, three years ago, we were getting out of our personal, uh, consumer debt. But point being, I highly encourage, and I talk about this a little bit at the end, but I highly encourage you guys to be out of consumer debt. If you are going to invest in real estate property, I can't say, you know, 100% out of consumer debt because, there's such great benefits in uh, passive income and whatever else, but being well on your way or at least having a very clear plan before you like dive, you know, head first into real estate investing. 
Um, and so anyways, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I just want to just want you to be here. And if you are super interested and you are at this point in your finances where you were like, yes, I want to invest. I want to learn about this. Then like buckle up because we're going to talk about it. If you are somebody who is like crazy over your head in consumer debt, um, and just feel really overwhelmed with finances, listen, just sip on your coffee. (laughs) Okay. This is good. This is what I want. Like, I want you to be a part of a conversation that you, have no business being a part of because you don't know much about it, right? That's how I learned. Like I learned by sitting in conversations that I had no business being a part of. I had nothing to give. (laughs) I literally had nothing to say. I had nothing like smart to add. I knew nothing. I knew absolutely nothing. But by just sitting in these kind of conversations, right? You hear it for the first time or maybe the second time or the third time. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I know what that is when somebody brings it up or, oh, I've heard of that before. And then it it moves from this insecurity to this like confidence with certain things. So real estate may or may not be your jam. That's totally fine, but I don't really freaking care. (laughs) Okay. I really don't care. Um, What I want is for those of you who are excited about this, this is something you want to listen, you know, re-listen, whatever. I'm going to give you some resources to go dive in deeper with this because I'm not like a real estate expert by any means. But if you are somebody who's like, nope, this is A, not for me, or B, you're just in a place where you're really overwhelmed with your own personal finances, just sit on a cup of coffee or mud water, y'all. Mud water. <laughs> it's kind of my new thing. I absolutely love it. It's a coffee coffee alternative. I actually reached out to uh, that company and saw and asked if they'd be on the podcast. I don't know if they're going to come on, but wishes, right? So anyways, I want you to sit here and I want you just to listen because I want you to be a part of this conversation. And when I say I have a heart for normalizing, talking about these kind of things with women, this is what I mean. So buckle up also if you have no interest. <laughs> Just listen to my voice for the next 30 minutes. Okay. So um, this is going to be like a 10,000 foot view on this. Good Lord. I could not possibly cover everything in 30 minutes. But we got into real estate after my parents did. Actually, my parents kind of went down this road for a couple of years. And it really piqued our interest as we started to sit in on conversations they were having. And they started to invite us into conversations. Remember, we were like completely oblivious. We didn't know what the heck they were talking about at the beginning. Um, But they found a lot of good that came from it. And so they taught us and so, you know, obviously with, uh, with houses and with real estate, you can do a couple different things. You can flip it, which I think just if you watch HGTV, you guys, you know what this is, where you buy a house. Typically, that's kind of in a poor condition, and then you, um, you rehab it, and then you flip it, and you sell it. So maybe you buy a house for $50,000, you put thirty dollars into it, but then you sell it for $100,000, you know, you make twenty grand after all is said and done. Um, so you can flip it, or you can rent it and invest in the real estate, or I'm sorry, the rental property side of real estate, which is what my husband and I decided to do. And so this is when you buy a house and you can either buy kind of a fixer upper, which is what my husband and I tend to do, and then rent it out. Or you can um, buy a turnkey, which that basically means you buy a house that is completely ready. So like I bought the house on a Tuesday and if I had my, all my ducks in order, I could literally rent it to someone on a Wednesday because it is ready to go. That's called turnkey. All right. Also, you guys, if you hear like weird noises, I'm literally on my birthing ball. (laughs) I'm realizing that probably wasn't a great idea as I'm sitting here recording a podcast episode, but it's all right. We're in this together. Okay. 
Um, so my husband and I chose to do rentals instead of flips because we really liked the passive and recurring income of a rental. So that's kind of why we chose to rent. And obviously we've loved it. We have four rental houses now and almost another one on the way. It sounded like, <laughs> it sounded like my children. Um, but here are a few things to know about rental properties if you are interested in it or possibly will be in the future. Number one, the most important thing, okay? I could not like scream this enough. The most important thing is really vetting your tenants well, okay? Making sure that the house you have and the price point your rent is going to be is appropriate not only for you, but for the person that's going to live there <laughs> for probably the next year, right? Like we do minimum of one year leases. So you have to make sure you guys are both a good fit. And we really do this by pre-screening applicants as they become interested. And we ask things like, um, you know, what is your income, your monthly income? Have you ever been evicted before? Have you ever filed for bankruptcy? Uh, I don't know. There's just some like prerequisite <laughs> questions that we ask. And if they pass the pre-screening questions or the prerequisite questions, then they're invited to come and see the home. And after they see the home, you know, like if they're interested, they'll fill out an application typically on the spot. And I'm clear up front, it is $45 if they want to turn in an application. And here's what that covers. $20 is for an application fee. Um, and this covers like me having to spend the time calling all of their work references, calling their past uh, landlord or whatever, just to see how they were as tenants, um, job you know, um, uh, managers or bosses or all, whatever. So the time it takes to spend and like call everyone and verify everything that's on their application, that is $20. And then there's another $25 that we ask to have for the background check that they will get And the background check. You guys is literally like 2450. So like, we're not trying to make money off of this here, but this is just like bare minimum to get what we need for, um, to have somebody living in our home. And then from that, once we have a couple people that have um, given us their application, we've run background checks, all that kind of stuff, we use this neutral scoring system to rate the applicants based on a couple different things. There's like, oh gosh, maybe like 12 different things you can earn points for. Um, and it's based on like, how long have you been employed somewhere? You know, obviously if you're employed somewhere for five years, that looks better than like two months when you're trying to um, to get a house. It also goes with like referrals or how many pets you have, how long of a lease do they want? Like it's more favorable if someone wants a two-year lease over a one-year lease, just because then you don't have to do the whole turnover thing. Um, you know, what income they're bringing in so that the rent is not a burden on them. What is their credit score and, you know, whatever. And so basically you take the, the possible applicants that could be a good fit and you kind of run it through this neutral scoring system. And typically the person who scores the highest or the couple who scores the highest will win. And it's a little more complicated than that, but just to keep it really simple, this 10,000 foot view, that really is it. And it really takes some of the emotion out of the process of choosing a tenant. And then once we find our perfect person, I email them number one, <laughs> to say like, Hey, are you still interested? Like we're going to offer you this house. And if they are, then we move forward with signing the lease and 
occupancy dates and all the good stuff, right? And then I email all the other applicants that made it to the point of like, um, you know, the background checks and all that kind of stuff. I let them know they were not chosen and I just forward all of them their background checks because I mean, technically they paid for it, right? And so, I don't know, some of them are like, oh, I didn't realize that was on there. And your background check shows like any criminal history, but also shows credit scores, anything, collections, um, you know, that kind of stuff. And so sometimes, I mean, it happens. Sometimes things get kind of buried and you don't even realize that's showing up. And maybe you've gotten turned down uh, multiple times for a house or whatever. And you didn't realize you had like this glaring charge (laughs) against you or, you know, something's still on there that you needed to dispute. So um, since they paid for it, I don't try to like hoard that. We just give that back to them so that they, um, they have it. And then we just move forward with the tenant that we chose. And by the way, you guys, we absolutely, like absolutely love and adore every single tenant that we have. Like we take great care of our houses and we are super, super responsive to their needs. Like if they text me at noon, you know what I mean? On I don't know, a Tuesday that they're hearing like mice or a raccoon in their walls or something like that, then like literally at 12.05, I have texted them back like, hey, somebody's on their way. (laughs) Somebody's on their way to get this figured out, set up a trap or whatever it might be. So we are super, super responsive um, to their needs. We make it really clear to them that we want the house to feel like their home, right? We are just there for any major issues that come up, you know, if there's leaks, if there's rodents, if there's um, a pipe that breaks, like whatever it might be. But you guys, I, I mean, I literally send like birthday cards. I send Christmas gift cards or just even just around the holidays. Although last year we kind of just did a discounted rent for December because of COVID. But the point is, is that, you know, we're partnering, partnering with these people, And when COVID hit, I personally spoke with every single one of them just to make sure they were doing okay financially. And, you know, they were, and I told them like, seriously, let me know. Like if something happens, you lose your job, like whatever it might be, like if you need a break on rent, like you let me know. And I am confident that every single one of our tenants would actually let me know because I have shown over the past, you know, three years that I genuinely care that they are living in a good, safe place. And we take care of them, period. And I cannot stress enough about how important these things are, right? So like number one, vetting a good tenant, it needs to be a good fit for both of you. And then number two, taking care of them (laughs) and your house as if it was your grandmother that lived there, right? Like it's, I don't know. Rentals have just given us a way to love on people and partner with them and having safe and affordable housing just in general. And in four years, you guys, we have not had any bad experiences. We have not had any evictions or had to kick anyone out. It has been great, you know? And so the renters and your rentals are obviously a big piece of the equation, but the other big piece of the equation, you guys, is the house. (laughs) It is the house that you buy. Like they say that, you know, the deal is made or the money is earned, when you buy the house. So it is at the purchasing time that you either make a deal, a good deal or a bad deal. Um, And so for us, we actually buy more inexpensive houses. Like I said, our first, I think I said this, maybe not. Our first house was a $10,000 house. That's what we bought it for. Our second, I think was 15,000. 
Third was our most expensive at 38,000. And then our fourth was 32,000. So, I mean, obviously those numbers aren't nothing. (laughs) Hello. But think about it. Like for a single family home, like those are fairly inexpensive houses between 10 and $30,000. So that is um, kind of the price range that we actually really, really love because they're in areas that we really love. They are a little bit lower income, but they're just, we love it. And um, the houses need a decent amount of work, which has given us a lot of times to uh, brush up. Well, I shouldn't even say a lot of time for us. I should say it has given my husband <laughs> a lot of time to brush up on some rehabbing skills. I do not help with the rehabs of the rentals. I take care of our four babies at home while my husband does that. So I'm gonna, I'll get into that a little bit later. But it's actually those price points in the neighborhoods that we pick um, have actually been really, really great for us. And so we already talked about the um, tenant, and now I want to talk to you about the house. So how do we make money on the house itself? So there's a really cool method um, that I'm going to talk you through and just pause really quickly. If you are somebody who is like, yes, yes, yes. I love this conversation. I want to talk about this more, or you want to learn more. You need to go and binge another podcast. Once you're done with this, it's called bigger pockets and it's all, excuse me. It's all about real estate. Okay. So you're going to hear this method I'm about to talk about 150,000 times on that podcast. And so if this is something you're really interested in, I highly suggest Finish out this episode and then go over and subscribe to the Bigger Pockets podcast, and you are going to hear all things real estate. Oh my goodness. Okay. Anyways, so here is kind of where real estate gets fun. There is a method, and it is called the Burr method. And this is how you can make some really great money. This is how my husband and I have been able to um, really start to build our rental business. And, um, not just kind of like put all of our money into it. And so the Burr method, it's actually, um, an acronym. It's B R R R R Burr. So B with four R's. And what that stands for, it stands for buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. Okay. So this is, this is what we have done with all four of our rental properties. And this is how we have built our wealth. So you buy the house. You rehab the house, you rent the house, you refinance out of the house, and then you repeat. So I'm going to, just for this little next five minutes, I'm going to get into a little bit of numbers. So hang with me, okay? So I want to talk to you about our most recent rental and what this Burr method looked like. So we bought this house at a great deal in a neighborhood that is just like going up and up and up, and we bought it at $32,000, okay? Okay. Now that was the buy. And then we rehabbed it. We put about $35,000 into it, 35 or $40,000 into it. And then we rented it once we rehabbed it. And then we refinanced. Okay. So we bought it at 32. We rehabbed for 35. Let's just say 35 to keep it easy. Okay. And then we rented it and then we refinanced on the house. So when you do a refinance, you have to get the house appraised. And if it is a rental or 
you want to, let's just say if it's a cash back refi, so meaning you're going to refinance and you want to get cash out of your house to typically, if you're going to use this on your primary home, you're going to like, maybe you want to do a remodel. Maybe you want to like add a deck. Maybe you want to buy a pool. You know, you've been somewhere for 10 years or something and you want to get some of your equity out of the home. Um, you can't get hundred percent of what you have in there, but you can get 70% out of what the home is worth. So since we bought the house in cash, when we went to refinance the house, the house appraised for $120,000. You guys, we bought it for 32,000, okay? We bought it for 32, we put in 35 in like the work and plumbing and whatever else, okay? And then when we went to refinance it, it appraised for $120,000. And so since we get to keep 70% of that, 120, we got $84,000 back. We got when we went to the bank to refinance, they gave us an $84,000 check. Now, we obviously had to pay back um, the $32,000 that we bought the house for. We had a HELOC, um, which is basically a loan against the equity of your home. But anyways, I'm not going to get into all, all, the, all the things right now. But you have to pay back the $32,000 we bought the home for, and then the $35,000 that the rehab we put into it, okay? So we basically put... 70k of that kind of back and like paid ourselves back. But then that left us with $14,000. Just profit. <laughs> $14,000 just to put back into our business savings for the next house that we wanted to buy. On top of, remember we rented this house, the cash flow that we're getting from the rent. So, really quickly, bought it at 32, put 35 into it. Once it was all fixed up, we appraised it for 120,000 or the city appraised it for 120. We get to keep 70% of that. And so they wrote us a check for 84,000. We paid ourselves back about $70,000 from the rehab and the buy, the purchase price. And that left us with $14,000 that we just got to put into our savings. So basically we did not have any of our money tied up in this home. On the front end, we did, and that's part of passive income. I'll talk about that in a second. But once we were done and we could refinance, we pulled every dime out that we paid on for the home, and then we got an additional 14000 to just put in our bank account to invest in the next property. Okay, so this method is really, really powerful. If you want to Google it, it's the BRRR, B-R-R-R-R method, Okay. And then you have to think about cash flow from the rent. So once we refinance the mortgage or refinance the house, the mortgage for the house was $650. Well, we charged our renters $850 a month. So think about what that does. Basically, when we get paid $850 that month, $650 has to go to pay our mortgage for that house now, right? But then there's $200 left over that's our profit, kind of. Technically, you want to put some money aside for like taxes, um, expenses, that kind of thing. But to keep it simple, $200 left over, right? Mortgage is $650. We charge our renters $850. We keep $200 after we pay the mortgage off. Um, and honestly, that house actually needed a ton more work. So all the profit went right back into that house. Um, but that's not always the case. So basically, we made the $14,000 on this house plus $1,200 a year because we got the $200 a month. 
and we have zero money tied up in that house of our own personal finances. How amazing is that? So again, when we talk about passive income, it's two different things. Number one, passive income is created typically when you put a bunch of either time or money up front, and then eventually it kind of generates easier income for you later. So think about this. So if you are one of my entrusted students, I have a money mindset course called Entrusted with Her Finances. I put a lot of freaking time in that. <laughs> there's over eight hours of training. I actually talk about that in a little bit also. Um, but there's over eight hours of training in that. There is an 80-page journal. Like, put a ton of freaking time into that for you guys, the writing and the producing and the recording and, you know, whatever else, but it's done. It's done. And so I put a lot of time in up front, but now every time a new student invests in that course, I get paid and I don't have to do anything to the course. I mean, I'm, I'm like always updating it and making sure it's all, you know, relevant and whatever else. But outside of that, um, you know, I'm not really doing much with that course, but it did take me the time, focus and energy up front to be able to create an avenue of income that doesn't require as much of me as an ongoing thing. If you think about your 401k, if you have one, typically you put money in there up front, right? <laughs> you put a bunch of money up front in your 401k and then over the next 30 years or whatever it is, it starts to make you money. And so this is kind of what passive income is on one end, on one front, it is where you put a lot of time or energy up front, and then later on, it kind of gives you this reoccurring revenue that you don't have to work as physically hard for. So for our rentals, we put a lot of freaking money <laughs> up front, um, and we put a lot of time, my husband put a lot of time in up front, and now people are living in our home, and they love it, and we are getting paid for it right? Now, obviously we have to pick back up the work when the house needs to be turned over, but honestly, like we don't have a ton of turnover. We have people renewing their leases left and right. Okay. Um, the second thing about passive income is that it's just taxed differently. I'm not going to get into a whole tax conversation because that's boring as crap, but, uh, passive income is taxed differently and lower than active income. So like if you're a teacher or like a doctor or, um, you know, I don't know, whatever the heck you are, <laughs> um, that is your active income and you're getting a W-2 for it. And, you know, you pay taxes on that and you pay taxes on that differently than you would something that is a passive income, like the income we get from our rentals. When people pay us rent every month, we don't, you know, let's just say, let's just say in one year, I'm just literally pulling this out. Let's just say we make $30,000 in rental income a month, we're not taxed as if we had a $30,000 salary. It is taxed way lower. So there's a huge, huge tax benefit to, um, to income being passive. Okay. So number one, passive income is like, you typically have to put either money or time up front to make it easier to earn money down the road. And also it is a different tax, uh, what's the word? I don't even know what avenue different, not avenue, different tax, not bracket. <laughs> Good Lord. Can't think of words. This pregnancy brain has me. It's just taxed differently. You guys, passive income is taxed differently than active income. You can Google that too. If you really want to look into that more. So with rentals, like I said, you know, we put a lot of time and money up front and here's a couple of disclaimers. You guys, there is a right way 
and a sleazy way to do real estate, in my opinion. I've seen, I've seen it both. I've seen it happen both ways. My husband and I really choose to do it the quote unquote right way, even if it costs us more money or time in the long run. And that can look like what I was talking about before, you know, just quick responses to anything that's broken or wrong. Like nobody wants to wait a freaking week while their ceiling is leaking. Like nobody wants to try to sleep and get up and work the next day if they hear like a raccoon in their walls or something. Like some of these houses are older, like sometimes things get in, (laughs) whatever, but that's not an issue. But the issue would be if somebody's taking like forever or they can't get a hold of you or whatever else, right? Um, It also looks like rehabbing with nicer material and not just kind of like throwing a house together and calling it good enough for somebody. Like I said, we try to be like, like, would you let your grandma live here? (laughs) Or like, you know, your sister or, you know, somebody that you loved and like really cared about, would it be like, would it be a place that gives them dignity and, um, and make them feel safe? Um, just even like checking in on tenants. Like I said, once COVID hit, like, Hey, are you guys okay? Sending gift cards for holidays. Like we, I don't, I mean, you kind of lose money. You get to kind of write it off, but that's not the point. Like just sending gift cards to say, Hey, I'm thinking about you, like making sure all is good. I, like I said, offering just rent relief when COVID hit, I think I already said that. Um, or honestly, we've allowed a tenant to break a lease when an emergency came up. She was great at communicating with us about what was possibly happening and could happen in the next couple of months. And, you know, technically on our lease, it says like, if you break the lease early, you have to pay out the remainder of the rent. Well, that's thousands of dollars if you break the lease, you know, early. And she was actually in a two-year lease. So that would have been a lot of money. And like, we're not, no, like I'm not gonna make her pay me, you know, $3,000 to break her lease because of some emergency that happened and she had to move back home. You know what I mean? Could we technically have done that and sued her? (laughs) We could have. Um, But no, we just kind of took a and, and, and because she was such, she communicated so well with us, we just kind of took the month hit um, on our rental and had somebody else in there the next month. Like, no big deal, right? You got to have a freaking heart <laughs> for people. And there's definitely a difference. Like, people can take advantage and whatever else. But like I said, if you vet people well at the front end, typically, and then you are just like touching base with them and being really compassionate throughout the whole year, typically you're not going to get stepped on. Will it happen? Absolutely. I'm sure. If we do this for the next 20 years, I'm sure something's going to happen. But as of now, it's been a pretty good, um, a pretty good thing going here. So the point is, you know, we're not just trying to freaking make a buck. (laughs) I mean, we are because this is part of our retirement plan, but you know what I mean? Like not everyone is in a place to buy a house. So if renting is the best option for them, then we're going to make that experience as pleasant as possible. And it's a lot of freaking work. You know, like that's something else that I think I need to say up front because I think it looks kind of sexy. <laughs> like the passive income looks good. The, um, you know, wealth building, we've built a lot of wealth in a very short amount of time. Um, but I mean, before we had enough cash to hire contractors, Justin, my husband did every single bit of the work himself, every bit, which meant he would go and work 50 hours a week at his like nine to five. And then he would drive straight to the rentals and work until like one in the morning to start to get that for months, like weeks, months. And I wouldn't even see him, especially for the first three rentals. You know, you kind of have to grind until you begin to refinance out and make some cash from the property. So 
you know, it's not all sexy and money making and wealth building. Like it took a lot of work and time and focus of knowing that the time he spent away was a sprint and it was short term. We knew that it was going to be short lived and we knew what that, uh, that labor and that seed planting kind of, if you will, was going to produce. Like we knew the fruits it was going to produce. Now we're at a place where we can afford to hire contractors to do most of the work so we can kind of put our energy elsewhere. But you guys, that took a couple years to get to that point. And I, <laughs> I really struggle sometimes when people um, kind of look at where we are and are like, oh, that must be really nice. Oh yeah, well, you know, you are able to do X, Y, and Z. I'm like, man, but you didn't see. First of all, let me back up. Yes, we made good choices with good choices that we had. And we had good choices. And we had the capacity and the stability and um, the means and all kinds of all kinds of types of privileges that we had to be able to make the decisions that we made. Okay. I did a whole episode about this. So I don't want to sit here and say, oh, but we worked hard (laughs) and I want people to see that. But it does, it does kind of frustrate me because, um, if you have the decisions and the capacity to make a decision like investing in real estate, um, or you have the support or whatever that might look like, it is a grind. Like it is an absolute grind. And there are people that we know who are like, oh, that looks really cool. I want to do that. I want to get that passive income like that. Great. They buy a house and you guys, it's like, they're just not willing to do the work. They're not willing to, you know, not see their husband <laughs> for a, while, a couple months, you know? Um, it's not that he never came home. It was just that it was that, you know, we were like, we didn't want to draw it out. Um, and they didn't want to give up that time. They didn't want to do it without each other. Like they wanted to both go and be there. So they had to find childcare and then it just started to not be worth it. And you know what I mean? Like if you're going to invest in real estate, especially if they're investments that require some rehab, um, you need to be very real with yourself about what you are willing and what you are not willing to do. My husband and I often, I don't know if it's a firstborn thing. I don't know if it's our personality type, but we are often very able to see that like this short-term sacrifice is going to be a long-term gain. And we can both pretty easily fix our eyes on that. It doesn't mean it's not stressful or like, (laughs) I wasn't like, I hate rental properties 500 times or same for him. Um, But it did mean that we both kind of saw the same end goal. We both knew that this was going to be short-lived. And so anyways, I just feel like there's a disclaimer there. It's not like you buy a house and you build wealth and that's it. Like there's there's a lot of grinding. There's a lot of late nights. There's a lot of, um, you know, missed soccer games or whatever it might be just for a very short amount of time. And then all of a sudden the floodgates freaking opened <laughs> when you start refinancing out of all these properties and you start to get... Um, you know, monthly income in and all kinds of stuff. And then, okay, we can take a step back and breathe. We don't have to do it all of ourselves and we can begin to delegate. And that's a beautiful place to be. And that literally took us about three years. Okay. So let me see where we're at here. Okay. So this is the last thing I want to talk about before we kind of wrap this up. Where are we at here? Oh Lord, 35 minutes. You guys are probably not even with me still. Um, Okay. Let's talk about cash flow really quickly. It's a concept that I learned about when we started to 
go into real estate. So cash flow is the amount of profit coming in after everything is paid. So like $200 in the example that I gave earlier with that rental house. So what's kind of cool is what people will say is if you want a car, that's going to cost you like $200 a month. Don't go buy the car, go buy a house that is going to cash flow you $200 a month and then go buy the car and pay the car payment with that cash flow every single month. So that money doesn't come from you. So for example, this house, right? Remember the mortgage was 650 and we were charging 850 for the rent. So in this example, we would use that $200 that someone else is paying us to go pay our car payment. And so this is where things get really interesting because you can buy houses to fund a specific thing in your life. It could be a car. I've also heard of people uh, buying like a $100,000 house when your kid is born. And then you put the house on an 18-year mortgage and you rent it out for 18 years until you know everyone who has lived there has eventually paid it off. And then when your kid turns 18, you sell the house for hundred thousand dollars or probably double that, you know, if it's truly 18 years and you use that as their college fund money, then basically you guys, a bunch of other people over the years will be paying for your kid's college in exchange for you providing them with a safe home all the time for those 18 years. So, you know, the opportunities really begin to seem limitless in real estate once you get into it. And if you are overwhelmed by all of this, but intrigued, that's okay. We were too, like I said, And so here are my suggestions if this sounds interesting to you. Number one, go binge Bigger Pockets podcast, like I said, and all the resources. Um, That's either going to pique your interest or kind of fizzle you out, but that will be a good um, thing for you to know. A lot of the stuff they talk about is going to be good for you to know before you ever even invest. And it's good for you to sit in on those conversations, like I said. Number two, get a mentor. One that you can personally ask questions of. Luckily, my parents are ours, but I would not want to go about this like forging my own path. (laughs) Find someone who has been through it and learn from them. Number three, read some books. The only way that you're going to get more comfortable around something is by learning about it and by talking about it. Like I said, three years ago, no freaking idea what was going on with real estate. Didn't even know anything about it. And now we're crunching numbers to buy our first five unit with some serious confidence, right? We're not, I mean, we're not hundred percent confident, but we're feeling good. We're feeling good. Number four, make sure you guys have your personal finances in order. Like I said, you know, ideally being consumer debt free and having a great credit score is the best case scenario for you to start. But I'm not going to say that you have to be hundred percent consumer debt free. Uh, just because it's such a good, if you, I mean, if you have a great opportunity, you have a great opportunity, but it has just been so much less stressful having nothing to worry about as far as our personal finances go on this journey. Number five, get an LLC. You guys put your properties in an LLC. You're going to want to keep anything that's rental or business separate from your personal assets. And number six, like my mom says to my husband, you guys, if you go on this journey, understand that when you are new to investing in rehabs and real estate, like you are going to, I think she, my mom just calls it like real estate school. We're going to real estate school and not a literal school. Okay. Uh, and, and here's the thing, it costs money to go to school. So if you are learning to like tile a new bathroom and it takes you five times longer than it should, and you bought the wrong materials and you wasted money and you know, you're learning that's okay. 
Obviously you want to learn as much as you can beforehand. I mean, YouTube's amazing, but understand like mistakes are going to happen. You're going to lose a little bit of money, like frustrating things are going to happen. My husband just retailed our whole entire master shower and was so freaking frustrated the first half of the project because of a million different things. I mean, I can't even tell you, like it's ridiculous. And, you know, he had to run to Home Depot 500 times a day because he missed this part, didn't get enough of this, you know, bought the wrong thing of this or whatever. But by the second half of it or halfway through, he realized like once he kind of got his groove that he really, really enjoyed it. And now he feels super confident to retile any bathroom moving forward with much more confidence and probably way less time in the future. He's actually, we're getting ready to move in like a month. And he's like, I'm so excited. Like, I think I want to retail our, our master bedroom or bathroom. I'm like, oh, look at that. See, so listen, you're going to go to school. You're going to have to learn. It's not a traditional school. It's hands-on, but it is all new skills that you can learn. And it's amazing. So as with anything, you guys, it's a journey, right? It's a learning curve, but it's also so, so, so worth it. And it's how, like I've been saying, we've built most of our wealth in the last three years. And we're just going to continue, you know, to build our real, our real estate portfolio. And I am just so thankful, so thankful that day, I can't even remember what day it was, but I remember standing in my kitchen back in 2016 where I stood at my kitchen island and I made the decision to get our financial life in order. We were like so far in debt, negative net worth. And you guys, I spent the next two and a half years getting our family out of debt. And that really, really set us up perfectly for the opportunity of rental properties in 2018, you know, and we never looked back. And honestly, guys, had anyone brought up rentals when we were in all that consumer debt, I would have never even considered the possibility. Like it would have been too far-fetched, too foreign for me to put any mental space into it. And I'm, you know, it might be the same for you. Like if you're listening and are intrigued, but are like, we are in no way ready for any of that. It's fine. You know, maybe you aren't, (laughs) maybe you have some cleaning up to do, but I encourage you to just do that today, today. Um, Because, you know, what they say is true. Like as your personal finances get cleaned up, there are more and more opportunities that will present themselves to you. Not because the opportunities were not there before. Like literally real estate has been there forever, (laughs) but it's because you begin to kind of have this mental and emotional capacity to see and consider when your brain, you know, when all of your brain power is not thinking about what this Friday check is going to pay for. You have the space to actually open your eyes, sit in on conversations and actually make decisions further out than a week. And I just want to give everybody a heads up really quickly as we close out this episode. So I have a money mindset course and it's called Entrusted with Her Finances. It has over like eight hours of training on money in it. It comes with an 80 page journal to help you just really uncover your personal money story, which is so important. It helps you eliminate money blocks that are keeping you from living the debt-free life that I know you want (laughs) so badly to have. It also really helps you explore what you actually owe your children. A lot of us overcompensate um, for what we did or did not have as a child. So that's a really great module. Um, And then we also go into 
uh, exploring passive income where we've kind of talked about some of that today. And we ultimately wrap up with lessons to help you really kind of unleash this ability for you to build wealth. And this course is designed to take you on a journey. It was written and designed to take you on a journey. And the investment for this course is actually going to go up by $100 on Saturday, May 22nd, 2021. So if you're listening live, if you're listening on Monday, the 17th, you have a few days, um, but it is going to go up by about $100 um, on Saturday. The results have been so, so amazing. And so go ahead and head to simsarrows.com slash yes for more information or to enroll with the other, I think 65 now students experiencing this course now. And if you are someone who knows like mindset work is needed when it comes to money, but you really just need some like one-on-one time. (laughs) You need some one-on-one financial coaching. I am here for you, okay? My financial coaching is one-on-one for 90 straight days because I genuinely believe that you can change any area of your life in 90 days. And I create a complete budget for you that works perfectly in the season that you were in. I know everybody hates budget. (laughs) I promise you that every single client that I have had has fallen in love with a budget because it's, we, we learn how to use it for what it's meant for. And it's meant for your big yeses, right? A lot of people think a budget is like, oh my gosh, now I just have to tell myself no to the chips and queso or the (laughs) cute shirt that I want. I mean, you might have to, but the point is, is that you get to say yes to the big things. And that is where a budget is built around. It's not built around your nose. It's built around your big yeses. But we also create a debt payoff plan right alongside it. Okay. And the best part is y'all have unlimited access to me for coaching and adjustments as needed for the full 90 days. You guys, my clients have, I mean, blown me away. You guys are paying off tens of thousands of dollars in 90 days, tens of thousands of dollars. I mean, I think the highest that I've had, this was in 120 days. Um, but I think it was almost $20,000. It was 19,000 something. So sometimes it just takes a little bit of clarity and a path to run on. And that is what I'm good at. But this price is also going up hundred dollars on Saturday. So if you have been on the fence about either of my programs, this week is going to be the time to get in. And so as always, if you guys have any questions, just shoot me an email at simsarrows at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram. I'm at legacy through motherhood. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of Ask Steph Anything, kind of real estate edition. I love talking about this. So um, keep the conversation going if you want to. I will be all up for talking about it on all the socials. So I look forward to walking with you guys and helping you find your grit while completely covering you in grace. Mm-hmm.